So welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast, where we break down the essential elements of a successful sports science department. I'm your host, Darren Kishwala, joined by Ross Bennett, the head of sports science at QPR. And we have an exciting episode for all of you coaches out there looking to build a sports science team from scratch or to build upon your current one. Hi, Ross, how are you doing? Azza, how are you, mate? Um, good to see you. You well? Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping well. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Apologies for listeners know I've made Aaron wait half an hour because I've, I've been caught up here. So he's uh, he, he's been very patient with me. Thanks for that. It's okay, it's okay. I quickly went to feed the dogs, so it's, uh, it's okay. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, let's get straight into it then. So what is the essential foundations for a sports science department? Uh, re- really good question, Aaron. And you know what, when um, when yourself and Kieran come up with this like topic to speak about, it, it got me thinking a lot about, I guess, the evolution of myself as not only a practitioner, but a leader over the years. Um, and then looking a little bit deeper, like what is the purpose of a performance department, sports science department, um, sports science and medicine, however you group it together? Um, what's the purpose for those in, in, in certain sports? And for me, it's quite simple. It's it's about bringing like a diverse group of people together. Um, and we talk about the generalists and specialists and different like ways you can go within a department depending on, I guess, requirements and, and you know, different financial constraints and things like that. But it's bringing a group of people together with like specialist expertise in certain areas and how they can add value to performance um, and help within a, a sporting organization and the little intricacies and and the different bits that they can add to to that i guess that realm and that environment um to to help the players at whatever age whatever level succeed and whatever success like um success looks like for them so i'm sure we'll talk about the specifics but essentially we're there to to aid that process um through multiple lenses and and that's important that people bring different like angles depending on what they see and the experiences they've had and the knowledge and training that they've had um to that environment and then how they get that across and link it because knowledge and expertise is one thing delivery to coaches to players and transferring that knowledge to actual impact is another thing yeah that's a really good way of breaking it down i guess and um so just going into more depth onto that multiple lenses side of the sports science and what key roles and expertise are needed to potentially build an effective sport and exercise science performance department? Yeah, um, I guess for me and my experiences in the sports I've worked in, like I've worked in like very much team sport based, predominantly football, a um, little bit of Gaelic sport. I haven't necessarily had um, more like lab-based like roles where we're working maybe with individual athletes. So I can only talk from my experience. And the the thing for me is, is that you might have a generalist that has to do um, like a little bit of on-pitch fitness like type work, a little bit of gym-based work, some rehab uh, type work, some um, like GPS or data analysis type work, some monitoring inside. Um, and that would come under like a sports science like umbrella. So you might have someone that's got to like do multiple things um, within their job role. Or you might be, have the luxury and, and, you know, within the first team, we've kind of got this where you've got each of those strands, someone as like an expert. So it changes the landscape a little bit. But if you're an, if you've got someone who's just looking at the data analysis, your lens is going to be really based on like objective data. Um, the context that that falls into, of course, around training and games and, and how that how that data is produced, but data on training load data on fitness, data on monitoring, like how do you really impact with that data and what sort of things do you want to get the outcome from? 
Whereas if you're looking at a length on physical development, like what sort of strands and strategies have you got in place for on-pitch development, for uh, off-pitch development? Um, and then if you're looking from a rehab perspective, you know, what criteria are you looking at to hit within rehab? How do you progress? What sort of skill set do you need to be able to deliver not only physical components, but technical components to getting back to their job? So I just think it's about like really maximizing the lens you're looking through. And if you're looking at everything, have something that you're really strong at. So I'm really big on generalists, especially in academy football. Like you, you don't have the money to with one age group to be able to have an SNC coach, a sports scientist, a rehab specialist, but you're going to have to do all of those. But tell me what you're excellent at and tell me if you're really, really good at on-pitch development and your rehab end stage is world-class because you've got an affiliation with coaching and you understand the philosophy, brilliant. I will then help you with your limitations with maybe off-pitch stuff and develop you that way. What do you need to develop there? So have a real strength if you're a generalist. And if you're a specialist and you're very fortunate to be able to work in, in that level in your specialist area, then just be world-class and have an impact, like really have an impact with what you're doing. Because if you're not having the most impact, then I would question, like you're not maximizing your potential, I guess. Yeah, it's a really good way of saying it. And I feel like it's important to note as well, there is a lot of data out there to like focus on. So if you do pick one, put all of your eggs into like the basket that you're specializing in basically and try and interpret that data as well as possible so you can deliver that in a good way to all the other coaches. But yeah. Because there is a lot of data out there objectively. And just onto that objective markers as well. So how can sports teams, obviously we work in team sports, so how can team sport organizations like leverage this technology to get this objective data to enha enhance their sports science programs? Of course. Well, well, like I'm I'm quite big on data. I quite like it. I think it backs up a lot of things. It's not the be all and end all. And I think like you've got to look at your finance like your financial resources. So I know a lot of club teams in, in in the Gaelic won't have the money to be able to invest in stuff like this. But the top level has kind of become like a staple. Um we have obviously things like GPS where you have the ability to to monitor training load essentially and, and physical output, um, external outputs of games and training, which can give you like lots of stuff around making sure periodization models are, are being followed in terms of what you want to see throughout the week, where you want to bias certain training sessions to more larger space and extensive areas and tighter type areas. What sort of percentages and match load do you want to hit throughout the week and making sure players from an external output perspective uh, are, are hitting the numbers that you think are appropriate as well as then assessing what their outputs are in games. If that's a KPI that you think is really important for a certain position or, or a certain style of play. Um, alongside that, then you have a couple of things with like internal like response or heart rate response, which can be a really good indicator for fitness. How are they coping with that external demand? Um, and, and what sort of levels are they being exposed to in training to prepare them for the game? Um, and what sort of stress are they going on? So all this data is about like, like external output and internal response from a performance perspective, but also like a stress response. And do we need to intervene if somebody's gone, like, for example, if somebody did 120% of match load across all of our metrics and they haven't been there before and their internal load was higher, then that's a performance brilliant because they've achieved like really good, like new peaks, but how, what, how is that going to affect their structures? How is that going to affect their internal recovery and stuff like that? So 
I've always got my performance and monitoring brain on with, with, with every bit of data. Um, and I guess the other bit of stuff that you can really look at is like the monitoring side. So are we looking at like force-based monitoring um, through force plates, through um, force frames, through VALD? Are we looking at jump type mats for jump performance? Yeah, and you can do a multitude of stuff of that. Have you just got a handheld dynamometer that you're just taking some like various movements to get some like force scores? Something where you're monitoring the stress and the response structurally um, from the bout of exercise that they've done day to day to be able to assess how the players responded. And all of this data for me comes into like, um, first of all, is the global training program like exactly where you want it to be and what you target, but also what's the individual output and individual response. And within team sports, that's the area I think gets lost. So if somebody responds really poorly to the same um, bout of exercise, like percentage of match load than someone else, what are we doing about it? Are we increasing their um, robustness to make sure they can handle it better or do they need extra recovery or is it a combination of the both? So it's all about individualization um, and it's just having that lens to be able to go into that real detail within your area or across the board if you're, if you're juggling everything. Yeah, of course. That's um, another good another good point you make about individualization. So everyone is different in terms of how they respond to things. So someone may be performing the same amount as someone on the pitch, their distance or their high speed running or intensive metrics may be similar. However, the next day when it comes to their jump heights, one person may be hitting their marks, some people may be below their standards. So it's important to note that people are different. So we should take that into account as coaches and practitioners. And on to the individual approach as well. So how do we like ensure athlete buy-in into this sports science program in terms of like effective communication or a positive approach basically so athletes know what they're doing and kind of back the process it, it, it's a really good point and it's something that i always try and embed into the staff that i inherit and, and i've been through a process of this with some really good leaders and, and people over me as well first of all it's about like energy like having real energy and passion when you're delivering so do you believe in what you're delivering? Like, are you in whatever that is? So if you're a specialist in data, are you like passionate and hungry and like energized about the data that comes in and excited by that? If you're an s coach or you're in the gym doing work, how much energy are you bringing to that environment? And sometimes you have to show your party tricks. So sometimes you have to show what you're really good at. So if you're a really good coach, then be a really good coach in terms of how you explain things, the detail, the rationale, and correction, exercise correction, and also like show how competent you are doing those things. So that's how you get by in like a lot of the time for me, it's energy, competency, and it's rationale. Like, why are we doing whatever we're doing? What's the rationale for that? For the individual, for the, um, for the team, sometimes there's general things that you do for, for, the, for the general team, no matter what strand you fit across, how, how rationale is it? How individual is it in moments? Um, and how detailed is it? So if you're talking about just a basic gym movement of an RDL, what's the rationale for it? What's the individual considerations around the movement competency and uh, some posterior chain like scores of, of general force? What's the injury history like? There's your rationale. How detailed are you at coaching it? Are you happy for them just to do it? And you just coach because I've seen many of them, many of, of, of sessions where people just go around the movement or are you actually like really passionate about making that movement correct? Um, and don't be afraid to coach. And even at top level, like with superstars and I haven't worked with many superstars of work championship players, really um, don't be afraid to coach if, if things, if you need, if you need to coach it. Um, I'm biasing a little bit to the SNC side now, but I think it's just about like rationale, passion um, and just being really, really detailed. Like, 
have a proper detailed approach to what you're doing and why. Um, and then no matter whether a stakeholder comes, whether a player challenges, uh, whether somebody says, I'll do it this way, maybe, who knows what's right or wrong. But if you've got a real good rationale to why you're doing what you're doing, you can't really, um, you, you can't, people can't really argue against that. No, of course, that's a really good way of talking about it as well. And that is um, on the SNC side, but on the um, other side of metrics, potentially like through GPS. So if a player is hitting a certain amount of distance that they're going over their load for that week, how would you approach that situation in terms of off the gym and onto the pitch kind of situations there? Yeah, well, I think then that's where the individualization comes into it. So has it been a really high load week for that person? Like, has it been a really high load? Like, is that a norm for them to be going over? Like, can they cope with that? What have they done before? How have they got there? Um, how have they responded? So are they structurally responding well? Are they recovering well? Is there any issues that crop up? Are they... Uh, what's their profile like? So are they like, have they got an injury history that suggests high volume could get them to, to break down, for example? Um, and if all those things point to, yep, I think they, they, they've gone a bit higher this week, then what are we going to do about it? What's the modification? What's our individual approach to that player? Um, and that's where the communication and blending comes into it with things like uh, the skill with the manager, um, the coaches, and, and being very skilled about how you get your, your message across. Um, so you've got to go through all your checklists. You've got to have really, really strong like structures in place to know that I think this player could be at risk and we would only modify someone if we think they could be at risk or there's a performance benefit in a match coming up. Um, and then it's how you get the, what's the solution, how you get that across to the manager. Perfect. No, that's a really good explanation of it as well. Um, On to the last bit I have as well. So what is crucial for an ongoing successful sports science program in your opinion? Um, for me, for me, I think it's more about the environment that's created. So like, let's talk a little bit about kind of um, people being in a real like challenge state all the time. Um, I've worked with some really, really top level like coaches, technical directors who challenge like the, the standards and the rationale all the time and even will challenge to the point of like there's sometimes a bit of an argument. But what that does is, is, and I'm not saying you should go in and argue with your staff, but I think hold people like to account where standards are really high. The environment is a real challenge environment. So I'm going to give you a bit of a, um, like a, a question here, performance question, and I want you guys to solve it best you can. Um, but I want you to come back with really good detail and rationale, really good aligned approaches like across all like across all avenues and different like outcomes depending on what if scenarios that come up. But I want you to think about everything, go into like the, the like smallest degree of detail and present it back to me and let's have a good like conversation about it. And then it's about people being uncomfortable with being challenged like on their approaches because if you are comfortable being challenged, then you can grow from it. If you're not comfortable and you're very fixed and you're defensive, then the likelihood of you actually accepting any constructive feedback is, is, is going to be quite low. So sometimes I can be quite intense with standards and, and things. And there's times where I push more and there's times where I rein back, even if I think something's not right, I might need to trust a little bit more. Um, but I think have that challenge state and standards really, really high in a department. I also think get like a whole bunch of different people 
together because if you have the same people with the same ideas and same philosophy you're only ever going to take the direct like department in one direction if you've got people from a whole different bunch of backgrounds um different experiences different skill sets different strengths especially if you're a generalist and that's why i like people to have really areas that they specialize in and you try to spread that out across the department then people feed off each other and there's different ideas um so I think that's really key and you need people to be able to collaborate and work together, like unless people are able to communicate with not only fellow like SSC coaches, sports scientists, but with medical staff and like articulate with managers and um, high level coaches and sometimes coaches working with the under 10s or sometimes coaches with the under 23s and then be able to hold a conversation with academy directors and technical directors and and the chairman if he, if he comes in and asks something so you, you, those communication skills you're developing all the time um but yeah i just think really diverse like um skill set people that are open and 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 happy to be challenged and be able to work together and then it's i guess the leader's job then to really develop that person um in the right way where we're going to enhance their strengths and then like give them like support on their limitations and their weaknesses and it's that real like individual needs analysis that starts to really foster the environment so we always work on an individual based like program for all the players like that's you know everyone talks about individualization but where's the staff like development and individualization from that point we have a jd and a criteria but what areas of it are they really good at what areas they need support on what's going to get them to the next job what's i'm really proud to say that we've had like four or five staff from the academy here go on to really good jobs at first team level at cat one academies outside of football and that gives me just as much satisfaction although you have to like post a role and fill it which is a nightmare um as much satisfaction as it does a player moving into the first team because you're there to develop that staff give a really good service and then hopefully that staff member goes on and flourishes and, and looks back and goes do you know what ross was a little bit intense and he pushed me a little bit but do you know what he really improved me in this aspect and that's something that like you want someone to be able to look back and say that's a really good way of going about it and yeah as it is um, an ever-changing environment in sports science it's important for like these aspiring sports science or strength and conditioning practitioners to know that as a head of um sports science as you are that you want them to make their voices heard so they can show their initiative give new ideas out and they'll be rewarded for it in some sense um, yeah, I think on reflection of that as just to, to to jump in, like, I think it's important for me at times to like, listen to some feedback. And like I've said a couple of times there, like I can be quite intense. And that's my style, like I'm quite demanding. And I know you came into a, a program where you saw that as well. So sometimes it's about self reflection as a leader and saying, you know what, I've pushed quite hard there, maybe I come across in the wrong way. This is how I'm going to navigate these next two, three weeks to enable people to be a bit freer and not feel not feel like in any threat state at all um so i'm constantly reflecting and i think any any like leader and any boss and anyone in a in a, a head of position or management position at any level has to do that and if they don't do that then ego can take over and and it doesn't work in your favor so i'm fully aware of my limitations and my individual plan and what i'm trying to do to address that as well perfect and in your opinion as well, keeping up to date with like developments in sports science to potentially come up with new ideas yourself, uh, how would you stay informed about it basically? Yeah, well, like I think that's really important. So like, you know, constant like involvement of the literature and 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 social media is brilliant because it gives you like clear pictures of different things that come out and research articles and and what's contemporary in terms of things that people are putting up and and what they're doing. 
But I think it's about creating an environment where you've got people coming at you from different strands in their areas about, have you seen this? Oh, um, this in nutrition, this, this is now looking to, um, from a performance enhancement perspective, is it something we're looking at? Well, show me the research and let's have a debate. So it's about people coming with really good ideas from their field. Um, so you have to be contemporary, but you're only as good as your team. So your team have to drive that and have to be really, really like really thirsty to keep learning regardless of where they are in their career. Um, so it's a really important point. And I have to do my 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 utmost to stay like at the top of my game across many areas. But you have specialists in certain roles and and like the role I'm in now, like I'm for the first time, I'm actually overseeing um, the medical side um, as well. And I'm not an expert in, in physiotherapy. I'm not an expert in sports therapy or we have academy doctors who have gone through like like really, really rigorous training um, to get to specialist in their field as a sports like doctor. So I have to rely on them for their expert knowledge on how to treat certain cases and things like that. I can have a general overview and, and a philosophy, but unless those like personnel are um, are really hungry and thirsty to stay up to date on their practice and and want to learn and be open, then the department fails. So you have to instill that like characteristic and that environment to people to bring their expertise to the next level, um, and that's. That's hopefully comes back to the standards thing and, and diverse skill set and people being open to like cross collaborate and, and take ideas off each other. Um, and then how you communicate that to to coaches and, and to relevant parties within the organization. Of course, yeah, that's a really good way of saying it. And um, it's important to emphasize. So not just the technology side of sports science, but creating that positive and open communication culture that you talk about, the environment you create. And also the continuous side of learning and adapting what you learn to the, that culture you create is basically the forefront of sports science. And I think that's basically all I've had to ask you. So if you have any other points, then we can discuss them. Yeah, no, th thanks, Aaron. I think we've covered covered most stuff. Um, I think like it's never easy. Like it's never easy to create this best environment, this thriving, and and if someone holds high standards and they're holding people account is a balance there between trust and holding people to account. So like, I'm always learning, like I'm 34 years old now. Um, I've been in management position, very fortunately quite young, um, but I'm always learning to develop um, and and try to, you know, um, give the best platform for people to thrive. Um, so it's not easy, it's really not easy. And that's why, you know, managers at top level have, don't get it right and short turnaround. So it's, it's, it, it, it is really tricky, um, just I think, outside of, of holding high standards, like be a good person and under, understand like things outside as well. Different life experiences, like having kids sometimes change the landscape of, of how you um, think about things. So if someone needs to do, do the school run and needs to leave early, like before you had kids, you wouldn't understand that and think, oh, why, why are they going to leave early? But I think just stepping back at times and looking at a bigger picture um, of generally where you're trying to go can sometimes stop the, you get too involved in the, in the micro. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for the chat today. I really enjoyed it. And hopefully the listeners get some some good outcomes from it. Yeah, it was very, um, very insightful. That's the word. Yeah, it was very good. Very good. <laughs>